Well, hello, and welcome to this week's A Photographic Life. Um, we've been talking about a lot of things, I suppose, associated with photography over the last um, few weeks, over the previous podcasts. Um, but this week, I thought, well, let's talk about photography. You know, A Photographic Life does have a tendency to take you into areas away from the actual creation of images. But of course, that's the one thing that I suppose really brings all of us together, is that that love of um, the medium of photography, of images. And of course, we all come to that from different places. Last week, um, well, this week, I say last week, this week, um, I went and visited the Martin Parr Foundation in Bristol to have a look at the David Hearn Swaps exhibition. It's been an exhibition which... Um, has already appeared at Photo London and I think also in Cardiff at the museum there and has been at the Martin Parr Foundation through the summer, through until the end of September. Highly recommend uh, going to see it, to see some great images by some of the great photographers. The idea, if you're not aware of, of the Swaps exhibition, is throughout his career, throughout his life uh, as a photographer, David Hearn has been suggesting to other photographers that if they gave him one of their prints he would give them one of one of his i suppose it you know that kind of thing of pho pho photograph as currency as something we we spoke about last week of currency and photography but this is a, in a different way and in a different form and so what they've done in the ex, uh, exhibition and how they've shown that is some of the images are purely the images that Hearn was given and others they've used the central image that Hearn had used as um, his form of barter, his bartering tool and the different images which uh, came in response to that image. One that particularly comes to my mind is of course his famous Beatles picture, um, very early Beatles picture, when, when none of them are actually looking at the camera and they're all around a, a piano in Abbey Road Studios. And then the, the prints that he received in return for giving that print. It's a great idea. And also what it really did, and having spent quite a bit of time talking to David um, over the last year or so, it really gave a sense of the prints that he was looking for from other photographers and he was choosing. We got a sense of that thing which I think often happens with photographers, which is that we like the images that we don't create. The images that we can't create are the ones we crave. And there's a certain painterly kind of aspect to a lot of the prints that Hearn seems to have chosen, which isn't necessarily there in his own work. So that's kind of that kind of interesting thing. I suppose also what it does show is, is that life, that photographic life of collecting prints as well as creating prints. And it also has that sense of memory, I suppose, because uh, I would have imagined that Hearn started this in the mid to late 60s. Some of the prints, particularly the one by uh, Cartier-Bresson, uh, is actually dedicated to David um, and so you get that sense of memory and, and if I look at my own uh, prints that I've very kindly been given by other photographers whenever I look at them I'm, I'm instantly transported to that moment um, that time 
when perhaps I knew that photographer very well. And they very kindly gave me the print. One of the, I suppose, most tre treasured images, a Cibachrome print um, of the film director, Sam Peckinpah, by the, the French photographer, Michel Momy. And whenever I look at that print, I go back to a time when Michel and I both worked together for a week in France at the... Um, in Epinay at the Moyen Chandon Chateau, uh, creating a, a portfolio, a body of work for Moyen Chandon. And um, that was really, that's really fantastic. It's a really exciting kind of experience that I have through looking at that print. A couple of weeks ago in the podcast, I suggested that I might, um, or I wanted, I suppose, to talk about travel photography and holiday photography at this time of the year and I'm not quite sure how sensitive this microphone is and whether or not it's picking up the sound of the rain on the shed roof this morning but certainly where I'm based summer has definitely come to an end and autumn is uh, more than just round the corner it's, it's here and with us on a on a rainy grey morning but of course it is during the summer that we and people create most of our images um, based on that sense of memory. And so often I see seminars and conferences and bodies of work, particularly within areas of ac academia, talking about the importance of photography and memory. But really, you know, it comes down to that very base thing, doesn't it, of, of remembering friends and family and those exciting moments when quite often our children, um, or we as children, grew up those halcyon days, those salad days. And certainly, if I think back to my own childhood, my, my parents' house is full of photographs of us on holiday. Holidays, birthdays and Christmases were the traditional memory moments. And also that takes me back to a previous podcast with Craig, Craig Aitkinson, when he was describing about what photography meant to him and how he uses photography now to record those moments in between, those moments in between the holidays and the the, the traditional, I suppose, um, events in our lives that are marked and recorded by photography and that his wife does that side of things. And he photographs those little things that actually we don't forget, but sometimes can have such relevance to us. You know, what what did we eat on that, on that day? Or um, what was that view? Or whatever it may be. But that kind of, the, that in-between area. And I think that's a really interesting area to think about as far as memory is concerned with photography. Because... In essence, whatever we want to talk about and whatever we do talk about around the medium, it all comes down to that 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 record. That photograph is a is a record of something that happened to a lot of us. To a lot of us. I got involved in a, a discussion this week around that age-old semantic use of the word take, shoot, make a photograph as if this was important to me i have to say that i really have no interest in in the use of the word 
for me, what's important is the final image. However, what I've increasingly found in my own photography is that I find the picture. Sometimes I might make it, sometimes I might create it, but I'm always finding the photograph. And perhaps that's a more accurate description of that process of taking photography to those who think that we need a word that encapsulates everything. I certainly don't have any problem with the word shooting a photograph as on a shoot because I used it and it was part of the vocabulary of the commissioned photographic world for so many years. So I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with the word take either. I know there are other connotations around these words now. But I do think that it's far more important that we focus on the final image rather than the semantics around how that image was created. Keeping on the world of photography, and I suppose following on from that idea of memories, is, is what we do with these holiday pictures now. Again, if I go back to my, my parents' home, there are stacks of, of large leather-bound uh, photograph albums of my childhood and my father still keeps up that um, editing process he's still going back to pictures that he took maybe 20 30 years ago and finding other prints and getting them made and putting them in these albums and making more albums always interesting that nature or nurture as to whether or not that influence of working with prints also came straight through to me but anyway so what do we do with those well what well, one of the things i do is i keep all of the photographs um, as I go through the year that I take and my wife takes of our youngest daughter. And towards November time, I will produce a, a blurb book, a hardback book of all of those prints. Oh, th there we go. I've used the word print. It should have been, of course, images, those digital images, because most of the images have been created on on phones on our smartphones as we've gone through the year and i design the book as i go through the year so i'm constantly it's done in a chronological way and i'm constantly looking at images and building that book until i realize it's got to a point at which it's ready to go to blurb to be printed and then i distribute those books at christmas to friends and and family who are interested in the book the rule behind the book is that nobody else is allowed to appear in the pictures. She, my daughter, is the only one who is in these pictures. So it becomes a record of her her life, of her year, of her growing up. And we're up to the sixth book now. And that really, for me, is the essence of memory. Because actually what I'm doing there is I'm creating something which will become memories for her in later years and already she's starting to enjoy pulling them off the bookshelf and looking through them and experiencing and asking questions about the place or what was happening at that time that the photograph was taken so when you're looking through your images now maybe you've got all your your holiday pictures and they're up on instagram but maybe look at the idea of that self-publishing as a, a truly self-published piece of work, which is just for you, not just as that idea that that kind of work has to be uh, held together by the concept of a project which has huge 
uh, intellectual depth. Maybe it could just be something that's for a memory and for a memory on its own. Segwaying and continuing on the idea of memory, I can first remember coming across meeting being told about Jeremy Sutton Hibbert's work by my good friend David Eustace and a fantastic printer up in Glasgow, Robert Burns, uh, in the early 90s, um, so a long time ago. And since then, I've kind of kept track of Jeremy's career, the work he's been doing, and the books he's published. So it's really great this week to welcome him uh, onto the podcast to tell us what photography means to him. I'm Jeremy Sutton Hibbert, and for me, taking photographs is a way for me to explore our world, to learn and to educate myself, and through being a photographer or a story storyteller, which I kind of feel I am these days, I hope to share my experiences and the things I learn with others. Many of the projects I've done over the years, from spending time in a Romanian Roma camp off and on for the years in the 1990s, or photographing Rangers Football Club in their travails through the third division of Scottish football a few years ago. These projects are all ways of me exploring a subject which has perked my interest and which I'm interested to find out more. I want to find out more to teach myself or to try to understand something, but, but also there are subjects which have aroused my interest for images and I wish to explore photographically, seeing what images I can find and come up with. I'm curious about the world. I love to travel and I've travelled widely and I'm incredibly fortunate, something that I try not to forget, that my job, my carrying a camera and whatever talents I've been gifted allows me to get to places or into situations where many people don't get to, whether that be inside a Tokyo boardroom or in the rainforests of Papua New Guinea. I think it was the great magnum photojournalist Philip Jones Griffiths, whom I had the pleasure to meet a couple of times, that said his little black box, you know, his camera, was a passport to other worlds. It's a nice way to put it, I think. There's been many a time I find myself in incredible situations, meeting people or watching scenes unfold, or even just experiencing the humdrum, but in beautiful or interesting locations. And still to this day, I pinch myself that I've been there, or I met that person, or I saw it firsthand, experienced it, or heard it, or even smelt it all firsthand. And all because I have a camera and thankfully I've learned how to use it in not too bad a way. I really, really feel fortunate about all this. I hope that it's something I don't take for granted. I really try not to. But, but with that luck, I also feel comes a certain responsibility. It became a mean of me to experience it all and to keep the pictures to myself. So I share them. I try to get the images out there into publications or onto gallery walls or even these days just onto social media sometimes. But I try to get them out there so that others who maybe can't go to where I go can hopefully have a taste of or share the experience I've had. I try as much as I can to be honest in my images and to bring back my interpretation of an event or a situation or person. Sure, I'll have my slant on it as I'm the one there taking the photo, but I try to be as honest as possible in my interpretation of how things unfolded or happened or how I found a person to be. And then later on when I'm back at the laptop, I try to be honest in my edit and how I present the situation through the images I select. And if the viewers like how I shoot and how I frame and photograph and how I edit and they find worth in what I do in images and work, then hopefully they get to share the experience also. And then it's great if they can learn from, from what I've seen. 
In recent years, I've come to regard myself as a storyteller, I guess, in a way. And this has come about just through using my photography alongside social media and Twitter and blog writing. All of these combined let me share what I see and find. And in my own way, if I can show people what it's like in China or in Tokyo boardroom, or what it's like in a rainforest seeing trees being ruthlessly chopped down, or the sickening sight of a clear-cut rainforest, then, then maybe I can help contribute ever so slightly to making the world a better place. If I can even help one person open their eyes to the catastrophe that is climate change, or make someone change their prejudices even just a little bit against someone else or some other cultures or peoples, if I can make the world a little smaller and a little more mutually understood by different people, then maybe I'll have achieved something. I'd be happy if, if I can, huh? A few years ago, I got interested in Roma, Roman era Antonine Wall, which crosses Scotland. It was the most northwesterly frontier of the Roman Empire. As part of that, I photographed some guys who were a, a historical reenactment society. They dressed as Roman soldiers known as the Antonine Guard, and they tried to raise awareness about the Antonine Wall in Scotland. I asked one of the guys, a big big guy, a marine, he was a marine scientist, why he dressed like a legionnaire and marched around in fields and car parks. And he said that if he can go into a school and because he's dressed like a Roman soldier, it perks the kid's imagination. And if he can make one kid think a bit more seriously about or get more interested in history, then he'd be happy. Now, I don't dress as a Roman soldier, but if through my posting images I've shot say, pictures from an assignment for Greenpeace, the environmental organisation, if I take those pictures showing rising sea levels or deforestation and I put them on the everyday climate change Instagram feed, which I'm part of, if through doing that I can help one or two people to learn a little about the causes and effects of climate change, then it's, it's something, it's my little bit. I can tell my kid I tried, I tried to do something. That's the big hopes of photography and what it means to me, really. When I was a kid, I used to want to be an archaeologist and to learn about the past by digging it up. Now I kind of see myself photographing the present and hopefully if the images last and are archived well enough, and that, that's always a worry, then people in the future may be able to look at them and learn of our times. I see a link between being an archaeologist and being a photographer. Already in my career, which to me seems to have sped past, I see I've photographed things that have changed or disappeared, and already my images have become a window, or to use the term again, a passport to other times, times gone past. And again, if someone finds worth in those images of past times, then I'm happy I may well have achieved something. And that's why I'm happy to exhibit some of my archive work these days, to get it out there or to put it on Instagram or to do little publications with Cafe Royal Books and to get the images off the hard drives and out to the public and to share with others. So that's the grand hopes and aims of what I do, really. That's what photography means to me. Thanks for listening. Well, thank you, Jeremy. And thank you also for picking up on that theme of memory and also explaining it in much more eloquent way than perhaps I did. Thanks, everybody, for listening again this week. As always, if you've enjoyed this podcast, do please go back through previous podcasts. We've had some incredible uh, thoughts and opinions and experiences shared by photographers over the previous weeks. So do dip back into the archive. I, I think and I hope you'll find it very rewarding and inspiring. And it just leaves me to say thanks very much for listening and see you next week.